0: Please turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies kindness, humility, meekness, longsuffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bound of perfect perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teachings, teachings, and abondishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
1: I marvel as God works in our lives. I don't think we could have chosen a more appropriate song to sing about I know who holds tomorrow than be able to sing that while Ted Ford is with us. For him to know our, our trust is in him who indeed holds tomorrow. To know that we have this gracious God who loves us and watches over us and cares for us it is beyond our comprehension. Appreciate Nolan reading the scripture this, se- this evening, this morning, reminding us of what God has for those who are His people. A lot of us need to remember who holds tomorrow. There have been others who have suffered loss of loved ones in the congregation as well, family members. Need to be mindful of them as well. I'm one of those who, when you ask me how I'm doing, I'll tell you I'm doing fine. I may not be, but I'll tell you I'm doing fine. Got a call this morning, and Pat's mother has been taken to the hospital. Uh, She's having some heart problems, some breathing problems, and uh, need to... Be mindful of her and keep her in your prayers as well. Uh, We have a loving God who graciously loves us, cares for us, provides for us, and gives us his will along the way. And we need to be reminded from the scriptures from the songs that we sing that indeed you are more than your past when God holds your future. We get caught up so many times with our past, things we've done, things we did not do, things we should have done, Things we regret doing. We get caught up in the past. Opportunities that we've let slip. Things said that we've let slip. A host of things that we've done in the past. And at times, we let them control us. And then we allow them to forget Our life is more than our past. And our life is held in God's hand who holds the future. And with that tremendous love that He has for us, the hope that He extends to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. God has a bright future in store for those who are his children. The Hebrew writer reminds us concerning our past in Hebrews 10 and verse 17 and 18. When we're told that our sins and our iniquities are remembered no more, says the Lord. And when there's been a sacrifice made for the sins, there is no more sacrifice to be offered. Our regrets, our remorse, our feeling bad is not a sacrifice for our sins. The sacrifice for our sins is the blood of Jesus Christ, which is sufficient to wash away those sins, which is sufficient for God to not remember them anymore against us. When the perfect sacrifice has been made, when the blood has been shed, then that forgiveness is extended and God does not hold those against us any longer. We looked this morning in the auditorium class in, in Colossians, the first chapter, verses 10 and 11. That God wants us to walk worthy of the Lord, wants us to be fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy. When you have words like those and you allow them to be applied to your life, how then can you hold on to the past? How can you let it pull you down? How can you let it degrade you, if you will? (coughs) How can you think that you are a loving, faithful child of God when you've done the things that you've done in the past. And that past may not be too long back because you have the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away those sins and that God that remembers them no more You have a bright future. Your future is as bright as God has planned it to be. He planned your future, your redemption, your forgiveness of sins, your hope of eternal life and that eternal home in heaven before he ever made the world, before he ever spoke the world into existence. He planned your future. Your future is in heaven, reserved to that final day. You have a glorious future. Do not lose sight of that along the way. Jeremiah reminds us in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. The Lord says, I have plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster. Plans to give you a future filled with hope. God says, "I have plans for you." Does that not give hope? Does that not lift the soul? Does that not chase away the, the doubts of the clouds of doubt and despair? And remind us, what are those plans? The plan for us to move from the enemies of God to being called the beloved children of God, being able to move from the prospect of eternity away from the presence of God to the prospect of eternity in the house of God. The future is bright. If we will but take the time to work that out for him to work that out within our lives. Paul reminds us in the Ephesian letter in the third chapter and in verse 20. Now to him Was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church. Again, I don't know why, but it seems more so as time unfolds, those adjectives that God uses to describe himself This blows the mind. Now God who is able, that alone is sufficient. But that God who is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all reproach, according to the power that works within us to do his will. How much does he love you? How long is he willing to be patient with you? How much does he want to bless you and to enrich the life? The blessings are there if we're willing to lift up our eyes from the physical circumstances in which we are going through. To lift up our eyes and to see the glorious God who is there, who bountifully wants to work within our lives, to give us the hope, to give us the peace that passes understanding. The world does not understand that. We, do, we find it hard to understand that, that. He gives a peace that passes all understanding. In the midst of chaos, we have peace. But are we any different in that regards than are his created world or his created beings that he's created, the animal life? You ever see the storms rage and blow? And just watch a bird sitting in the tree, as calm as can be. You ever catch some of that? How much he cares for us and how much he wants to work within our lives. We cannot work with the blessings that he gives The hope in the future that he holds out to us. If we are always looking back. There is a time to look back. Then there's always a time to look forward. I was going to say I have not seen, but I may have seen some that were basically doing that. I never seen anybody driving a car just using the rearview mirrors does not work, does it? You have to have your eyes focused on where you're wanting to go. Yes, occasionally you have to look back. Remember. Remember what you did, but remember the grace of God that washed that away. Yes, there's a time to remember, but there's more of a time to be looking forward to where we're headed looking forward to the power that works us that enables us to move forward towards the goal of that eternal home with God one day in heaven. He has plans for you. He has promises for you. And he is indeed faithful to his word. He's given, he has given us his word To guide and to direct us through our lives. We're reminded in Paul's second letter to Timothy and in the second chapter. And in verse 15 Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You spend time dividing God's word. You spend time working in it and seeing how the scriptures that he writes to the Colossians, scriptures that he writes to the Ephesians, scriptures that he writes to the Corinthians, that they're also being written to us. Romans 15 and verse four, these things were written for our admonition. And our comfort of the scriptures that we might have hope. These were written to edify us, to encourage us, to remind us. Yes, we have done things that we long regret, but to know there's hope in the future doesn't take long to read about King David and the wickedness that he engaged in. And yet, his legacy is that he was known as a man after God's own heart. Wow! All that he did, the transgressions that he committed, the lives that were lost because of his sin, and yet he turned to God and found forgiveness. He turned to God and has this legacy that he was a man after God's own heart. That's to encourage us. That's to help us to move on and to move forward. And doing doing what God would have us to do. Paul would go on in that third chapter of 2 Timothy. Verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is God breathed. And it's profitable. Beneficial. Profitable for doctrine. For the teaching that we need. For the reproof that we need. And correction. It corrects us. It pricks the heart. The Hebrew writer says basically the same thing in Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. The Word of God is a living sword, uh, like a living sword. It pricks the heart, divides the soul and the spirit, judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God pricks the soul. You read it. It's talking to you. It's telling you one, which we must always remember, is telling you the depths of God's love. From Ephesians 1 and verse 4, from the foundation of the world to the us of his word that's been preserved so that we have access to what it is that God would want us to do. It's written for us that we can learn that as we re- repent of sins and confess them, obey Christ in baptism for the remission or the forgiveness of those sins, that we can be raised to walk a new life, that we can be called a child of the living God, that we can have that promise of an inheritance in heaven that is eternal, that never fades away, and that one day Jesus will come to take us to be at home with him. We need to be willing to seek His will and to do His bidding in our lives. Back in Isaiah, in Isaiah 55, in verse 9, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then you can look at verse 6 there. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Understand His power, but seek Him while He can be found. He can be found. But sin can harden the heart. Sin can destroy the interest or the concern the life we live or for the eternity that follows. So there's a reminder to us to seek the Lord while we are able, while we put forth that effort to seek him, he's there. While he can be found, yes, he can. If we are looking for him, he can be found, he's there. He's never left us, nor has he ever forsaken us. John reminds us in the first epistle of John in chapter 5 and in verse 4 that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. This is what overcomes the trials and the tribulations that we have in the world. Our faith. Our faith, our conviction that God is. Our faith, our conviction that God cares for us. Our faith, our conviction that he watches over us. Our faith and our conviction that he strengthens us so that we can withstand the trials and the tribulations of life. That we can be tested by Satan and not give in to him. That we can resist him and he will flee from us. We can draw near to God and he will draw near to us. All those promises that we've been given. Our faith in him will overcome the world. A faith in the promise of God in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. That God has promised us that he will not allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear. But with every temptation will provide the way of escape that we may be able to endure. It. There is a way of escape. Sometimes we, re- we forget that as God's children. There are temptations there. Sometimes a way of escape is not going headlong into it. The way of escape is moving in the opposite direction. Sometimes we're not where we need to be in our trust in God that we can withstand that particular temptation. But God has provided a way of escape. He's provided the way that would help us to be able to go through this life. Wherever we are in our lives, whatever trial or tribulation that we are going through in our life, God has already provided what we need. It's already there. Ours is just to tap into it. Take him at his word. Put him to his test. And at times again when we look back. And at times when our past is reminded to us. Think about what happened in the book of Acts. And in chapter 4. The disciples made a very bold proclamation there in verse 12. Again, talking to those of a Jewish background. Those who had the heritage of the prophets. Those who had the heritage of the oracles of God. Those who had the prophecies foretelling the coming of the Messiah. Verse 12 nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The need to be reminded of what it says, no other name under heaven. That's here on this earth. No other name on this earth by which men must be saved than that of Jesus Christ. But look at verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of, of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. See, the background is brought up. These are uneducated and unlearned men. You are not shackled by your past. You're not shackled by that. They had a new life. And they stood on that new life. Mistakes in the past. You have them recorded for you in the four books that precede the book of Acts. You have their mistakes recorded there. Their misunderstanding of who the Messiah was. Their misunderstanding of what it is that God would be able to do with the, through them. They mistook what God was able to do with what they thought they could able, would be able to do. When they were unable to cast out an evil spirit from the son of, of a man... They ask, why could we not cast it out? It's not you. It's the power of God that cast it out. And we work that way some of the time. Why can we not do this? Why are we are not able to accomplish this? It's not us. Ours is to have our trust in God who is able. It's God who opens the doors. It's God who touches the hearts. We use those opportunities that he presents to us in order to do the things that indeed would be pleasing and acceptable in his life. We need to be reminded, as Paul would remind the Corinthians in the second letter, and in the fifth chapter, down at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation. You are a new creature. You may dwell in this flesh and blood. You still work with a mind that's been given to you. But you are a new creation. You are a child of the living God who has caused his spirit to dwell in you. Gives you a new perspective on life. You are more than your past. Because as a child of God, you've crucified the past. You put it behind you. You're this child that is now growing as a a child of God, as a Christian. You're learning along the way. You're making progress. You have your ups and your downs, but you're not the old self that you were. Do not be shackled by your past. As a child of God, we've made mistakes along the way. You're not shackled by your past. We've learned lessons from them, or we will learn lessons from them. But they're not the dominant force within our life. It is the grace of God, His love, His mercy that dwells in us, His power that enriches us to do the things that indeed will be pleasing to Him. A little bit earlier in in the second letters of the Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. Faith in the word of God. Faith that comes by the word of God. We're not walking by sight. We always like to walk by sight. But we walk by faith. We prefer to see where we're going. For those of you who have had small children and those of you who have small children, you understand how you want to walk by sight when you go into their room. Want to see what's on the floor before I step all over it. We like that. But I'm walking by faith, and God whom I cannot see, and a Savior whom I do not see, and the blood that was shed that washes away my sins that I do not see. I have reminders of it, but it's not the blood. Or the broken body. It's a reminder of it. And it's hard at times until I realize and until I understand who God is. He is Creator, but He is our Father. And as such, He loves us with a love that is beyond comprehension. He protects in ways that we are not able to see because of the depths of his love. He strengthens us in ways that we are not able to fully comprehend because of his love for us. But it is going to be up to us be willing to do his bidding within our life. Is thy heart right with God? It's a question you have to answer. It's not the question, is your heart right with yourself? It's not the question, is your heart right with others that know you? The question is, is your heart right with God? He looks at the heart. He knows the heart. Is it right with him? In his grace and in his mercy, he always bids us time in which to be able to make a change within our life before that final day. And until that final day comes, either for us individually or it comes for us collectively, that invitation will always be open and will always be extended. At any time in one's life where the life is not where it needs to be and they need to make a change, if we could assist you, if we could help you in that decision, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.